during his time in prison by the Romans. Okay, so, so Paul's writing this book from prison. He's in jail. He has no freedom. Right? Anybody think that'd be a great place to be at? No. Right? He had no freedoms. Some of, some of you guys in, in schoolhouse, right? AIT, in your AIT classes, feel like you're in prison at times, right? Because you feel like you have no freedoms. Right? But this is where Paul is. He's in prison. He, he doesn't get to choose where he goes, what he wants to do, when he does it. He's just told he has to do this. So join me as we read. I'm going to read the whole chapter first, and we'll kind of break it down from there. So we're going to be in Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says, Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in every prayer. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to think, to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart. You are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and the defense and establishment of the gospel. For God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection that of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment, so that you can approve of the things that are superior and can be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers, what has hap- that what has happened to me has actually resulted in, in the advance of the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is put in the the cause of Christ. Most of the brothers of the Lord have gained confidence from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the message fearlessly. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and strife, but others out of goodwill. These do so out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of rivalry not sincerely, seeking to cause me anxiety in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Just that in every way, whether out of false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice, because I know that this will lead to my deliverance through your prayers and help in the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed by anything, but that now, as always, with all boldness, Christ will be highly honored in my death, in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, living is Christ and dying is gain. Now, if I live on the flesh, this, this means fruitful work for me, and I, do not, and I don't know which I should choose. I am pressured by both. I have the desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of me, your confidence may grow in Christ Jesus when I come to you again. Just one thing, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you, or I am absent, I will hear about you, hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind working side by side for the faith that comes from the gospel, not being frightened in any way by your opponents. 
This is a sign of destruction for them, but of beauty of deliverance, and this is from God. For it has been given to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, having the same struggle that you saw I had, and now hear that I have. Isn't that good stuff? Right? He's thankful for the people that he's writing to, the people in Philippian, in Philippi. He's thankful for them and their prayers. Even though he's in prison, he's praying for them and their growth and their knowledge while he's the one in prison. Right? He probably has every right to be sitting there going with a pity party, like, why am I here? What did I do wrong? I did nothing wrong. But he's sitting in prison. And he is writing a letter saying how thankful he is of who they are and how much he loves them. So as we, as we start looking at the joy and suffering, so I looked up the definition of suffering. It's a state of undergoing pain, distress, or hardship. And so what does Paul talk about here in suffering? So the first part is in, um, starting in verse 12 through 20. It's his suffering advanced the gospel. His suffering advanced the gospel so he can be happy with that, right? As he's talking, he says, I'm here because I'm here. They know why I'm here. I'm here for proclaiming God's word. I'm in prison. And the whole imperial guard, everyone around, knows why I'm here. And they've all heard the word of God. And they said that not only is the, the people he's with are hearing the word of God, he said the people on the outside, they're praying for him while he's there. It's given them encouragement to speak more boldly and clearly about who God is. Right? So because his suffering, it gave other people the emboldened spirit to say, you know what, if he can do it, if he can be in prison in his suffering and still, go, still be proclaiming God's word, I can do that here. And so the believers start speaking louder because of that. And he said, now, there are some people who just don't like me and they're, they're, they're preaching the word of God so that I can get in trouble while I'm here in prison. And what does he do for those people? He says, I rejoice that they're out there proclaiming God's word, even though it's getting me in trouble, and that's their whole goal. Why? He says, it doesn't matter what the reasoning is, Christ's, words, Christ's name is priest. He said, for good reasons or bad reasons, the fact of the matter is he rejoices because the word of God is being proclaimed. So think about it. He's realizing that he's going through a tough time in his life, but because he's going through a tough time in his life, God's word is being advanced to the people around. And so he's able to look at that and go, you know what, I'm having a hard time, but God's word is there. And so it reminded me of Joseph in Genesis chapter 50. Right? His brothers had sold him into slavery, and he went on and they went on to do great things. Right? He saved the Egyptian jades of the world. Basically, because he was able to have a dream and interpret the dream. He went through a tough time to get there. Well, in the end, his brothers come back to him. They're worried that Joseph's going to get mad at them. And he's going to wipe them off the earth, right? He had the power to. But Joseph's response to them was, You intended harm to me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done 
the saving of many lives. So Joseph had a perspective shift. You intended for this to be bad for me, to be put into slavery. You sold me into a tough situation. And I went through some tough times in my life. His brothers had the intention of making it tough. But God had a plan for his suffering, and that was to save many lives. And ultimately, he saved his own family's life because of his suffering. I would think of another man who, who suffered to advance God's kingdom. Jesus. Right? He suffered on the cross in order that we can have new life. He chose to go through the suffering to advance God's kingdom. But we think about how hard that would be to rejoice when we're put in a tough situation. We know people are trying to keep us down. They're trying to keep coming after us. But Paul was able to rejoice in that. Then the next part we look at is verses 21 through 26. It says that the suffering allowed others to grow. So Paul's suffering allowed others to grow. Let me reread that passage for you. So it says, "For, For me, living is Christ and dying is gain. Now if I live on in the flesh, that means fruitful work for me. And I don't know which one I should choose. I am pressured by both. I shall have desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue on for all of you, for you your progress and joy in the faith. So that because of me, your confidence may grow in Christ Jesus when I come to you again. Again, Paul has this perspective look at it. He goes, there's two things I can do. I can live and I can die. My desire is to die. Not that he's suicidal, but that he knows when he dies, he's going to go spend eternity with Christ. There will be no suffering. There will be no sadness, no pain in his life. Right? For him, he says, that would be much better than what I'm going through physically right now. I won't be in prison. I'll be ultimately completely free of the shackles that are around me. But he said, that's what's best for me, but that's not what's best for you. He said, it's better for you that I continue living, that I can continue sharing God's grace with you, and continue sharing God's love that others may come to know. And he said, my desire is to die and depart and be with Christ, but it's better for you that I continue sharing so that you may have more knowledge, that you may have more joy, and that you may go out and teach others. Sometimes our perspective isn't like that, is it? We get this, this mindset of me, 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 and all we want to take care of is me. I know I get like that a lot. Like I look at a situation, my first thought is, what's best for me? How do I take care of me? When that's not what God's calling for. God calls us to take care of others around us. Now, even it may not be the best, what's best for my personal goal, what's best for the people around us. And we're going to see more of that as we, as we go through Philippians in the upcoming weeks, how Paul constantly talks about doing unto others before yourself. Right? Jesus, he took care of others' needs besides himself. Right? Going, going to the cross was not an easy thing to do. That wasn't what was best for his physical needs. Right? I mean, he ultimately gave his life up 
because it was what's best for us and for the world around us. See, Paul knew what was good for him, but he also knew that God wasn't done with his ministry here on earth. As you already talked about, it was good for the people around Bacon Shit. His, his being there and preaching the word gave them boldness to do what they were called to do. Who knows what would happen if he would have just said, I'm done. I walk away. Let me die. Let me go depart to be with Christ. Where would, the, would the boldness still have been there? Would the people have still been encouraged by Paul's ministry? Or would they have walked away too? We'll never know because Paul did, didn't do that, right? And then the third thing is, in verses 27 through 30, and this is the tough one, suffering is granted by God. It's granted by God. So it's just one thing, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, then whether I come and see you, or I'm absent, I will hear about you, that you are standing in one firm spirit with one mind, working side by side for the faith that comes from the gospel. Not being frightened in any way by your opponents, that this is a sign of destruction for them, but of your deliverance, and this is from God. And it says, For it has been given to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, having the same struggles that you saw I had, and now hear that I have. Not only that you believe in Christ, but also suffer for him. That kind of hits, doesn't it? Right? That Paul, who's talking about how great it is to be in Christ, the joy that's there. He said, yeah, I'm going to give you the ultimate thing, right? That you get to believe in Christ. You're going to heaven. You're going to love and worship him for eternity. And not only did God give us the ability to believe in Christ, but he's also saying you're going to suffer for him. You're going to suffer if you're following what God says. I mean, think about the world we live in today. Right? When we speak boldly about what God's word says, what happens? We suffer. Right? The world wants to push down us. The world wants to push back against God's word because they don't like it. We just finished going through a series on, the, on being the light that comes through Christ. Right? What happens when light shines in a dark, in a dark place? The dark, darkness gets pushed back. And that's what we're called to do. But along with that, the darkness wants, the people want the darkness. They don't want to see the world around them. They don't want to see the bad that's going on. Why, why do most bad things happen in the darkness of night? Right, why is 2 o'clock in the morning one of the worst times to be out? Because that's when darkness is overwhelming. The good people are sleeping. The good people are asleep and hiding away. But the darkness is around. Everybody thinks they can do stuff through the cover of darkness when people can't be seen. Right, we see it with social media. We see it with new, like um, comment sections. People hide in the darkness behind the screen. And they can put whatever they want to for the world to see because they're hidden. Right, we've all seen that with people we know. and We have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them. They're one person. But then you read some of their, their social media stuff, their text and their comments, and it's like totally different because they think nobody can see who they are. Because then they can put whatever they want to out there. 
kind of hidden in that darkness. But when light starts shining in people's lives, they have two choices. They can accept that they have problems and they can try to work and change it, or they can fight back and try to make everyone else around them look bad. But I think that's my temptation at times when somebody brings out something that I'm struggling with, I send them this area that I have sinned in my life, and somebody comes up and points it out to me. It kind of hurts sometimes. I don't want to agree with it. And so I want to push back and say, no, it's you that's the bad person, right? But that's what the world does to us, and we have to suffer sometimes in that process as we're being the light and we're telling the truth because the world doesn't want to hear the truth. They want us to just say it's okay. You're fine. It'll all work out later. Just keep on doing what you're doing. It's, it's okay. When sometimes God's word says we have to speak up and we have to say this is wrong in the world. Because the idea is if we're truly following what God's calling us to do, the world may not appreciate it. And it's going to be hard. Right? Why was Paul in prison in the first place? Because he was speaking out against what the world was saying who Jesus was. I mean, he, we'll, we'll see later on he, who Paul was. He was a great man in the Jewish community before he came to faith. Before he met Jesus, he was a high-ranking Pharisee with a great family name and a great name. I mean, he, he goes on to describe himself. He is the Jew of Jews. Like, he is the perfect guy for if you want the religious leader in the Jewish faith. That's who he is. But he says none of it matters because none of that is what is the truth. The truth is, is Jesus came and died and rose again so that we can have salvation. He wasn't just a good man. He was the son of God. And the Jewish culture wanted to say he was just another man. Another failed ministry. But Paul spoke out against that. And his friends, his neighbors, his family turned on him. Ultimately put him in prison because he spoke and he wouldn't keep speaking the truth. So his suffering, he could have ended. He could have said, you know what? I'll just be quiet. Let me fade in the darkness and I can have peace in the worldly sense. I can just go out and do my thing and not speak up. That probably have been easier but the reality of it is that's not what God was calling him to do. He was called to suffer for the gospel. And as he ended this first chapter, he said, again, we have the ability to believe in Christ. And God grants that we're going to suffer along with that. So when you're going through bad times, that doesn't mean that you're not doing the right things. Right? So again... Just because you're going through bad things doesn't mean you're doing the wrong things. Sometimes it's because you're doing the right things. Life gets hard for you. And that's okay. Right? Because people can come to know things through that. Right? So the three main points were, and I would have them up there. So we have suffering advance the gospel. So how does your suffering advance God's word? Suffering allows others to grow. How is what you're going through being shared with others that they can see what's going on? And then remembering that suffering is granted by God. 
And so when we're doing the praises to God and the prayer requests for God, that all ties into those pieces, right? We get to hear people's stories of how God's given them peace in their mind while they're going through a tough time in their life, right? And that gives us encouragement knowing that I see that God's working there. How can he work with me? When we see the other people graduating and getting done with their classes, that gives us encouragement that we can make another step. So testify when God does grant you things, when God gives you wisdom, when God takes care of you. Testify out. Why? Because like Paul, his suffering led to others having more faith and being stronger. So as God works in your life, testify to others that God can work. And then ask others to join you in prayer so that God can work in your life and then share those messages. Make the circular effect where you're in a community of believers. Where where you're suffering, you're asking for prayers and you're praying for the people while you're suffering and God's working and you're talking and everybody's growing in the midst of all of it and getting encouragement for it.